0: I'm Leah Carey, and this is Good Girls Talk About Sex. This is a place to share conversations with all sorts of women about their experience of sexuality. Before we get started, I want to tell you this. These are unfiltered conversations between adult women talking about sex. If anything about the previous sentence offends you, turn back now. And if you're looking for a trigger warning, you're not going to get it from me. I believe that you are stronger than the trauma you have experienced. I have faith in your ability to deal with the things that upset you. Sound good? Let's start the show. In today's episode, we'll meet Sharon, a 58-year-old cisgendered female who describes herself as Caucasian, straight, single, and monogamous. Sharon loves to dance, and she told me that it's the place she feels most free to be everything that she truly is. It's also the place she feels most beautiful. I'm so pleased to introduce Sharon. Hi, Sharon. I'm so happy to have you with me. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So, the first question that I ask everyone I talk to is, what is your first memory of sexual desire?
1: <laughs> it was watching uh, the the old Greer Garson, Laurence Olivier version of Pride and Prejudice. Ooh. And Laurence Olivier playing Mr Darcy, I was like seeing him in this one particular scene that I remember with Greer Garson. It was he was just that's when I knew what desire felt like was was listening to him talk. It was his voice. It's not necessarily the way he looked, but his voice in that is just like, oh my God. Now I know this is what everybody's been talking about. <laughs> <laughs> how old were you? I was in junior high school.
0: Did you then carry that expectation forward that this is how real men are supposed to look and sound and be?
1: Um, I would not say that was was the way I felt. Um, but what I have noticed since then is that the voice is very important to me as far as an attractor
0: yeah i can it understand is, that uh,
1: it is um you know far less than a person's physical appearance is is their the style of their voice and the the timbre their elocution <laughs> uh, just, just all the all the weird nerdy things
0: What are your first memories of sexual pleasure? Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, I was a late bloomer. So I was uh, 19 before I had a date. Um, Before I had even been kissed. I mean, I, I was doing theater, but I was never in a romantic role. I was always playing the... You know, funny best friend of the ingenue, and so I had I had no experience with men other than as friends. And uh, my sister was also in theater, and she was a year ahead of me, and she was the lovely ingenue in many of the plays that we were in together. And so, at uh, one day, phone rang in the house, and I answered the phone, and we were both home, and I answered the phone, and it was a a guy that that we. Um, both new from theater. And he said, is Gina or Sharon there? And I said, this is Sharon. And he asked me out. And I realized at that point that whoever answered the phone was going to be offered a date. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Um, But he was somebody that I was attracted to, but I just figured everybody's attracted to my sister because she was just, you know, blonde and pretty. And we went out that night, and he said to me, he said, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to go out with you or your sister because she's really pretty,
0: but you're really funny. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Things that one could keep to themselves. Yeah, wh- one could
1: if, <laughs> if one weren't an ego- egomaniac actor. Uh, wow. <laughs> but I was really attracted to him and that was my first sexual experience. Some of it pleasurable, some of it not.
0: What were the parts of it that were pleasurable and what were the parts that were not? i feeling excited
1: about, um, you know, kissing for the first time, um, which was amazing. Um, you know, and, and all the feelings that were going on in my body at that time. And, you know, it was the first time I started feeling, you know, things with a real person. <laughs> uh, and it was... Uh, c- up until that point i mean i was i was 19 years old i was masturbating um and so i knew what pleasure felt like but to feel it without me doing it that was awesome but then when it became more than that and much more than i was ready for uh at you know 19, this was literally my first date and you know i look back on it now and it was it was, um, I was forced uh, to go down on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he knew it mm. was my first kiss and he knew all this. And that makes me mad. Yeah. Um, and, it, oh. and, and I don't, I'm not like one of those people who like, I'm mad at my high school age self <laughs> Um, for not knowing any better and for, for going along with it. It was, you know, it was the seventies, but I look back on it now and I'm, I'm angry at the situation, but I'm not ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm angry at him Mm -hmm. because he knew, you know, my level of experience or lack thereof Um, and sort of, Well, not sort of, definitely took advantage of that. And it was just, that was, so it was, it was, you know, alternately a pleasurable and an awful experience.
0: Yeah. When you say he forced you to go down on him, there are two kinds of forcing. There's actual physical force, and then there's emotional coercion. It
1: was more physical force, really. Um, It was his hand on the back of my head. And I had no idea what I was doing. None at all. Um, I was, you know, what I knew from sex was from reading books. And books never (laughs) tell you about giving head. Um, And it was in the front seat of a car. And so it's uncomfortable. And it was... Not something that I wanted to do. I was disgusted by the whole idea and didn't know how to get out of it.
0: So, what happened next? Did you see him again?
1: Yes. Um, Because I didn't think of it this way then. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, I saw him for a few months. Uh, But then, you know, I was, then I was turning 20. I was uh, all slated to go into the Navy at that point. I wasn't in love with him. I I really had no emotional bond there. And so, you know, it's like, okay, fine. You know, this has been lovely, but I'm going to go pursue my thing now. And, you know, have a wonderful rest of your life. <laughs> right, if you get work, um, and I went off into, into boot camp and didn't really, you know, I didn't my, you know, mourn over him or pine or anything like that. A few weeks later, I got a, a letter from him while I was at boot camp asking if I minded if he went out with my sister. Wow, and I didn't, you know, I just didn't. And then they went out for like five years. Oh my so, goodness! You know, that was probably
0: the best thing. Did did the sexual interaction between you and him become better over time?
1: Yes. We never actually had penetrative sex. I wasn't ready for that, but I wasn't ready for going down yeah. on somebody either. Uh, but it 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 scaled back actually to, you know, petting uh-huh. and not even really super heavy petting or anything like that. It was nice. You know, it was it wasn't any great shakes.
0: So you mentioned that before you met him or before you went out with him, you had been masturbating. How did you discover masturbation? I didn't even know it
1: was masturbation
0: for yeah. a long time.
1: I just knew that that if I touched myself, um, and it probably started, you know, even earlier than junior high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I would put myself to sleep. And I didn't, you know, I had no name for it. I had I had no correlation between what I was doing and sex. It just didn't even occur to me. Because what do you know then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially way back then. Um, junior high school kids now know a lot more than I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that for me, that was like the beauty of reading, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Like, I finally had a name for this thing that I had kind of been doing
1: yeah um you know and all i had was um i knew masturbation was something boys did that would make them go blind Uh, (laughs) (laughs) because that's what they teach you in catholic school (laughs) (laughs) and they don't even talk about women doing it Hmm. um so it was just you know i i had been doing it for a long time and it was just a way to relax and a way to like it's like tension builds up and then it releases and then i went to sleep
0: yeah So what did you hear in your home? You mentioned that you grew up in a Catholic home. Mm -hmm. What did you hear in your home about appropriate sexuality for young women?
1: Uh, Not much. It wasn't really discussed. Uh, My parents basically bought us the book, How to Talk to Your Kids About Sex, and gave it to us. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Apparently they didn't want to do much talking, and yeah. you know we were good readers. So <laughs> I've been reading since an early age, <laughs> and that's you know that's how you know. But even then, it's like the drawings look foreign, and the questions are stilted and not like anything a child would really
0: yeah. ask. So, did you have a sense that sex was bad? or that if you had sex that made you bad or was it just not even on the radar?
1: Well, for a long time it wasn't even on the radar. Uh because I didn't date. I had a lot of I had a lot of boys who were friends. Um cuz I'm the funny one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um but no no romantic interest. And nobody that I was really romantically interested in either. Um romantically or sexually interested in. And you know why, but I had the romantic ideal in my head that you know sex must go with love and marriage, and that you know, without i was without love and marriage, there should be no sex.
0: hmm Did you wait until you were married to have sex for the first time?
1: No, but I waited until I thought I was in love. Okay. Um, and I will say the best piece of, of uh advice I got, because I was saving myself for marriage, and my sister uh said to me at one point when I was home and we were we were actually talking, um, she said, Well, you shouldn't do that because then you will just fool yourself into thinking you are in love when really what you want is sex.
0: Oh, wow.
1: That's really good advice. It's really good advice. Yeah. Um, too late for me, but <laughs> but it's really good advice, um, and it's advice that I wish I had had earlier. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I was at that point, I was a young woman in the Navy,
0: and I could have had sex a lot earlier. <laughs> yeah. So what what was different about this person that you finally had sex with? We were
1: we were in love. So and I used air quotes there, which doesn't do any good in a podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. I'll be here. Um, <laughs> but um, we thought we were in love, and uh, you know, I was in my early twenties and had you know never been in love before, so I just figured that was love.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, was it pleasurable for you? It was painful. Um,
1: it was, you know, it was not unwelcome. We, it was something we both wanted to do, and he had more experience than I did because I had, you know, zero actual, you know, penis and vagina sex yeah. <laughs> experience. <laughs> so I knew nothing. Um, I was probably unprepared for it. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what would get me turned on mm-hmm. uh, to the point where I, you know, where it would be more comfortable for me, and so it was, just, it was painful the first time.
0: And what about after that? Did it become pleasurable over time? Yes, um,
1: but I, I had also sort of figured out at that point that I needed, you know, I needed, I never know how to pronounce the word. Is it clitoral? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I needed clitoral stimulation in order to be able to have good sex.
0: So you figured that out on your own. Yes. Damn girl, I didn't. <laughs> it took me a really long time to figure that out.
1: <laughs> and yet and yet um because I was still masturbating, of course, because yeah. I do like that feeling. I love that feeling as a matter of fact, but uh, you know, if if that wasn't happening, there was no I was not getting wet. There was no lubrication and things would be painful. Uh So I knew what I needed. And uh, sometimes I had to do it myself. And sometimes I could talk a partner into doing it, but they were not very patient.
0: Yeah. So that first partner, what was communication like with him? Oh, poor. Yeah.
1: (laughs) What was I? I was 23, 24 years old, 24 years old and still a virgin. Um, I was 25. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Congratulations! (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations! Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, so I didn't know I didn't know how to communicate anything. And I just, you know, I thought, well, you know, it will come naturally, but it didn't.
0: Yeah, that is one of the weirdest myths that we have around sex, that we shouldn't have to talk about it. It should all just happen. And that is so far from the truth.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes.
0: So far from the truth.
1: And then, and then, you know, discovering early on what I, you know, what I needed and trying to communicate that and having nobody listen. I'm like, okay, I guess really that is the truth that, you know, that I'm not, that it's just supposed to happen naturally and that it must be
0: me. So how long did it take for you to find somebody who you could have that conversation with? Oh, many years.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was before I could really have that conversation with somebody I was dear dear god I was 50
0: uh-huh do you think that it's because other people were unwilling or unable to have the conversation or because you were so uncomfortable with the conversation um
1: it was I was uncomfortable with the conversation because when I had tried to have the conversation a couple of times before um the conversation had not been listened to yeah or in one case the conversation had not been listened to and in another instance um just the receiver of that conversation tried to accommodate but didn't really try you know it was like is this enough is this enough is this enough can we just get this over with and yeah. i'm just like fine just get it over with
0: right uh, and so what has been different with partners more in more recent years who have listened?
1: 's been it, OK, so I've had like one partner who was really fabulous, and it was because he I think, because he was the most feminine partner that I had ever had. Um, he liked to cross-dress. Hmm. And he really liked the same things I liked as far as sex, so a lot of tender touching a lot of a lot of um sensual stimulation that had nothing to do with with the genitals and just you know and so he liked that, and he understood that mm. I liked that and finding a a man a partner who could who had the same um love for touch and love for you know like whispering and 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 tenderness there that i had was great because i knew how to please him and he knew how to please me and i wasn't afraid to say oh you know this would feel really nice and he wasn't either and that was that was just lovely
0: Are you aching to explore new vistas of your sexuality? Do you hear me talk about concepts on this show and think it makes sense, but I need help applying it to my particular situation? That's where personalized sex and intimacy coaching comes in. When you work with me, I promise to help you feel safe exploring your sexuality. Together, we'll look at your needs and desires without judgment, and help you figure out how to fulfill them. There is no single answer that's right for everyone, so I'm going to help you discover what's right for you. And we'll go at your pace. That's the pace that respects your emotional needs, your boundaries, and your nervous system. Because going too fast can send you into shutdown, while going too slow can be infuriating and exhausting. The goal is to find what's right for you. I work with clients who are motivated to explore many different areas of sexuality, including things like expressing your sexual desires to current or future partners, exploring if you might be queer, challenging body image insecurity in sexual relationships, dipping your toes into BDSM, exploring consensual non monogamy, learning to date after a long time out of the dating pool exploring your sexuality for later-in-life virgins, and so much more. I want you to have a deeply fulfilling, intimate life, and together, we can help you get there. For more information and to schedule your discovery call, visit leahcary.com forward slash coaching. That's leahcary.com forward slash coaching.
1: My next um, sexual partner was uh, not a good listener and not, not a willing listener. And so at this point, I'm in my 50s, right? And it takes a lot for me to, for me to get wet, for the lubrication to be there sure. um, without external lubrication. And he just didn't seem to understand that. And and instead of instead of him saying what you know, what could I do to help you, it's more like, why aren't you wet? Yes. You should be wet by now. Mm. Time's a tickin. Mm, uh, yeah. And the physical, the physicality of sexuality, wanes as we get older, but the but the want for it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, if somebody needs Cialis or or whatever uh, to help them maintain an erection. I don't take offense at that. Mm-hmm. I don't go around thinking, oh, I'm not woman enough. And yet, the reaction that I got when I said, you know, I have this dildo. <laughs> And we could use it like this, or if you just touch me here, or if you lick my neck, or, or you know whatever it is that I'm feeling that I need, um, that that will help. And they're like, "Why aren't you just you know woman enough?" Because I'm ready.
0: Yeah. It reminds me, my first boyfriend, my first serious boyfriend. I was 25, and he knew that I had not had sex before. And he was also um, a significant user of pot. (laughs) So he was pretty much high from the time he woke up to the time he went to bed. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know how much mental pressure was and how much it was the effect of the drugs. But when we tried to have sex the first time, he wasn't able to get or maintain an erection. He got really upset. And then... Then I think it started to snowball. He was upset because he couldn't, which made it harder for him to. And so for about three months, he was unable to get or keep an erection. And eventually it turned from, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I was like, it's really okay. I really don't care. To it turned to there's something wrong with you. Right. That I can't get hard. There's something wrong with you. And it must be your fault because you're a virgin. So that puts too much pressure on me. And Oh, yeah. That was so upsetting and so infuriating because the whole time I was there and I was like, I just want to experience. At the time, it didn't even occur to me that I could give hand him a dildo and be like, could we just at least do something? Like, could we try? And maybe that would take the pressure off of both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know that at the time. I just took all of that pressure on myself. There's something wrong with me. I already thought I wasn't pretty. I already thought that nobody would ever want me. So, this just sort of, you know, promulgated those ideas. Yeah. More recently, I've had a partner who was unable to get an erection for a little, you know, for a few weeks of our dating. And I was able to say to him, it really doesn't matter to me, it really is okay, we can do all of these other things. And his response was so genuine and so lovely of, wow, I feel really bad. But thank you so much for not making this a big deal. <laughs> yes. And it's not about you. And I was like, I know it's not about me. You know, like my mindset has changed so much.
1: I loved coming to thee when I was, you know, and it was like, you know, why aren't you good enough? And just thinking in my mind, it's not me. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, but you know, it, at that point, I'm not going to say, hey, it's you. I'm just, you know, it's like, it's not me. And we, and there are as you mentioned, there are just so many other lovely things you can do to enjoy each other's bodies.
0: Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) And sometimes, at least for me, those other things are more fun. Yes.
1: Now, you know, even though it was a bad first experience, I love going down. Uh Uh-huh. I absolutely love it. And what I love about it is because he's just lying there. I'm doing something. And he's reacting, and I'm hearing that reaction, and that is one of the biggest freaking turn ons I can have. Yeah, uh, is just knowing that I'm giving somebody pleasure. <laughs> but it's i I it's like I want to give you pleasure, and really, you don't have to do anything. And <laughs> but I like pleasure myself too, and I but I also like I I am probably more willing to be the director of my own pleasure these days.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Have you ever felt any sexual urges that confused you? Recently. Yeah. Um, I was at a uh,
1: learning event for Sex Positive Portland. And uh, there was a, a woman who was giving the uh, teaching the lesson, and it was a STARS class. And, um, and for the first time, I was like, wow sexy voice on that girl. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and it was the voice that did it for me.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um just, just still kind of nice that that's still there. Um, and I, it, because it's been a long time since I've had sex, um, that was just a nice, that was nice to just feel it. Yeah. And, I, and it was a surprise because it's the first time I felt an attraction towards a woman. Um, and it was just, it
0: was nice nice to feel it again. Yeah. Does it leave you wanting to um like that to follow that urge in any way or is it just enough for you to feel it? It's just enough for me to feel it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know probably anybody with a velvet voice.
1: <laughs> 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 but uh you know I just I I don't I it wasn't enough of a feeling to want to act on anything more than just say Oh, I feel that. Yeah, How nice!
0: Yeah, I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> so you've mentioned that you've been single for a while. Mm-hmm. How long has it been since you last had sex? Okay, partnered sex. Okay, six years. Okay, and does that urge still come up regularly? Oh yes, to have a partner for sex. Yes. And how do you handle that? I have a dildos.
1: <laughs> In fact, um, so I, I lost a dear friend recently. My very first, my original dildo um, died. And I didn't know this could happen. Uh, <laughs> what does that mean, your original dildo died? I mean, died? The, the very first one that I had bought.
0: Oh, you mean like a sex toy died? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? I thought you meant an actual person who I used a we weren't dildo any- on you. <laughs> no.
1: no, the actual dildo. It's, it's like I put new batteries in it and it still didn't work. And I was like, I was so disappointed. Oh. And he was like, it's not you, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I know it's you. Uh, but still, I'm disappointed. <laughs> and I had to go out and buy one. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't know where to go because I've moved so many times since then Um, you know and had I been in Portland when this happened it would be easy because there are plenty of you know woman friendly sex shops here. Portland is great that way. Um, And I was in Ashland, Oregon when it happened and so I had just come out of I had been shopping in some store and I was walking by this store and it's like you know a feminist store and I thought to myself hey (laughs) (laughs) I'll bet. <laughs> if I just go in here and what do you know? There they were. And super, you know, and it was, uh, you know, just a very open, friendly, welcoming environment for everybody. All kinds of people in there. And I you know it's just like, I just want a little
0: travel dildo. <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, they're over here. <laughs> it was great. When I got to Portland and I was still very much at the you know, in the early stages of my sexual exploration journey. And I one of my things was I'm going to go to Shebop because that is the place for those who don't know, uh Portland has this amazing female owned and specifically geared for female sex shop called Shebop. And um I still I, haven't been there. Oh, it's it's great. I mean, it's, it's clean and lovely and welcoming. And I went in the first time and I started bawling (laughs) because I was so scared. (laughs) I've now been in many times and it's all good. But that very first time the woman behind the counter, she was so sweet. and She was like, it's okay. Just, you know, if you need to do this for a little while, it's okay. I'll answer any questions you have. It was really scary and really confronting. To go Mm -hmm. into that space and be like, yes, I actually want to purchase something for my pleasure. It had been much easier to do that online.
1: They've gotten much more expensive, though.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) I also remember finding my mother's vibrator when I was probably in my mid-20s. And that squeaked me out a little bit. But um, it also shows me how far they've come. Like yeah. they used to be really kind of unattractive, first of all. And the motors, like they really only had one speed and it just was not a great experience. And this
1: hard plastic thing. And yeah, they, was- they used to sell them in the back of magazines with, you know, for joint pain. And exactly.
0: I'm like, <laughs> exactly,
1: yeah, joint pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got your joint pain right here.
0: So I'm very glad to live in the in the era of awesome sex toys.
1: Plastics. <laughs> I uh when I I was married and when my husband found my dildo he's like why do you need this? Oh <laughs> like, cuz you teach nights and I go to bed. <laughs> and he was he was totally offended
0: by it. Really? Yes. So you weren't able to use it together.
1: No. Have
0: you had partners who you were able to use sex toys with? Yes. And what's that like for you? Very fun. Yeah.
1: Much nicer, um, you know, the realization that you know, just like I'm not just going to have one friend, <laughs> <laughs> there are many ways of 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 having pleasure, and that that everybody's you know cognizant of that and will admit it. Mm-hmm. That's just. It's not even something that should be admitted. It should just be something that's accepted. But that's kind of judgmental on my part, too.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like this is a good moment to mention for for women who are not aware of this, that um, for me, with my current partner, we use sex toys a lot. Um, because Partially because we both enjoy them, but partially also because I don't tend to orgasm from intercourse. It's incredibly rare for me to orgasm from intercourse. And so for me, sex toys are really the way that I am able to orgasm. We have intercourse, and this isn't something that we have, like, talked about and made an agreement about, but it's just sort of the way that it has developed with us. Mm -hmm. We have intercourse when we really want to connect. And there's, like, that lovely looking into each other's eyes and really being together. But if I want an orgasm, he's using a toy on me. Because that's just my body.
1: Well, and I had grown so used to using a using a dildo, and i 've never really done a, a dildo inside me it's all it's all clitoris mm-hmm. i'm still I'm still confused about how to pronounce that word, <laughs> and God i'm an old woman uh, but but it's that's what makes me orgasm and but it's huge um, and so i'm so used to that 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 really penetration intercourse is 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 nice. But it's 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 not what sends me through the roof.
0: Yeah. So the name of this podcast is Good Girls Talk About Sex. So I'd love to hear you talk about what the words good girl meant to you as a child and what they mean to you now as an adult. (sighs) So as a
1: child, I was the good girl. I mean, there was there were you know, I was I got good grades, I never got in trouble at school. Um, and you know, proper with my Catholic upbringing, if, if, you know, to this day, I will say what sticks with me from that is that if somebody says, can you come into my office, I need to talk with you. My first question is, am I in trouble? (laughs) And that could be a work situation or, you know, somebody I need to talk with you, you know, am I in trouble? That was burned into me is, is, you know, you miss, you don't misbehave. You don't get in trouble. You know, you clean up your room and your mom tells you to, you do your chores, you get good grades and you're a good girl. Um, now being a good girl is yes, being good at my job, but being a good person, um, you know, helping, helping others and and i don't mean that in just a sort of you know oh it's good to help others kind of sense but it's it's like i've changed my career path um to make sure that i am that i align with what i believe which mm. is that we are here to help each other and um you know whether and you know i choose to do it through through community engagement and uh, community involvement as, as a career path. But there are many ways to help people, you know, teachers and doctors and social workers and, and, and all kinds of things, even, even, even careers that you don't think of as, as like helping careers you know, done, done well. They, they can be very helpful to people. So that, that's, that to me is being a good girl. And, it, and sex doesn't really come into it. Um, sex is sex. And it is, it is a very fun and playful and joyous thing. And that's, that's good too.
0: Friends, if you love these conversations, I would love your help to keep them going. There are three ways you can participate two are free. And one is for listeners who've got a few extra dollars each month. Number one, take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it to your Instagram stories. Tag me in your post. And if it's public, I'll reshare and send you a personal thank you. Word of mouth is the best way to build buzz for an independent show like Good Girls Talk About Sex. And the more people listening the healthier our collective sexual experiences will become. Number two, don't want the whole world to know you're listening to a show about sex. I get it. Perhaps you heard something in this episode that reminds you of a past conversation with a friend or something you wish your partner knew. Send them a link to this episode and a quick message about why you think they should listen. And number three, If you have the resources to support the sex-positive work I do, I'd be grateful for your support at Patreon. Donating the equivalent of a fancy cup of coffee each month might not make a big difference to you, but it makes a huge difference to me. There's absolutely no contract or obligation. You can cancel at any time. Plus. I donate 10% of all proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are currently being legislated out of existence. It's easy to become a patron at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex. And one more thing. There is a treasure trove of additional audio at Patreon that's free to everyone. You don't even need to have a Patreon account to access them. Just go to patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex to start listening. I appreciate every one of you, whether you're a client, a patron, a social media follower, or a silent listener. I trust you to know what's right for you. Thank you for being here. Now, let's get back to the show. Before we let Sharon go, let's do the quick five. Five quick questions that we'd usually be too polite to ask any good girl. Favorite sex position? Going down on somebody. Um, Do you have hair down there or are you bare?
1: I have hair down there.
0: And do you... Trim it. Do you leave it natural? I
1: trim it because it just feels cleaner. And also because there's a lot of gray hair down there.
0: (laughs) As there should be because that's nature. There's a lot of gray hair up here, (laughs) too. What the hell? Are you a single orgasm or a multiple orgasm?
1: I am a multiple orgasm person with, with you know, with the right person. Sometimes that right person. In fact, more often the right person is me. Nice. <laughs> is there any,
0: have you always been that way? Yes. Wow.
1: I didn't know it was an orgasm
0: when I first knew it, but I knew. But yeah. This is somebody who has never had multiple orgasms asks. <laughs> um asking for a friend. Yeah. yeah, totally. Totally. I yeah, asking for a friend. Um are is there time between them or do they just sort of roll on? They just on? sort of roll on for me. How do you know that's multiple then? This is a question I've always wondered about. Like
1: because it's it's like there's a little break but then there's like, "Oh my god." And then "Oh my oh, god." Wow. <laughs> oh my freaking
0: god. <laughs> and um, how do you know when it's actually done? Um <laughs> unfortunately it's not
1: for you know uh, long after i mean i could i still have like little like like aftershock orgasms yeah after the big ones plural um and and many of my men partners have been amazed at that
0: wow um how often do you masturbate
1: every day
0: uh-huh i like the feeling do you prefer to be the giver or receiver of sexual pleasure?
1: Yes. Um, that's, we're just going to end it at that. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm representing the older demographic for, for your audience. And, it is, and I love the fact that I still love sex and I still want sex. And even though I haven't had it in a long time, um, doesn't mean that I'm not a, a sexual being. And, I, and I'm just, I'm very happy about that. I'm very happy that the desire has not gone away. Even though I don't find that many people sexually attractive. I'm not attracted to a lot of people. So when I am, it's like, bam, let's, you know, I want to get right into it. You know, not like right into it, you know, coffee or whatever. Um, <laughs> and um, and that might seem a little for you know, for some people might be taken aback by that, especially, you know, when you look at me with my salt and pepper hair, more salt than pepper. But I, you know, time's wasting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's interesting the dis the distinction that we seem to have in our minds between partnered sex and solo sex. You've said several times, I haven't had sex in a long time. But you've also said that you masturbate almost every day. So that's sex. It's solo sex. But we seem to sort of hold that apart as maybe not quite as good or not quite as authentic as uh, partnered sex. But it is
1: well, and that and that you make a very very good point there, um, because certainly um, you know, as I said before, I'm monogamous with me, uh, <laughs> the ultimate in monogamy. Um, but it's also some of the best sex I've had. Yeah, and um, so that's why I don't like need to feel like I have to have a partner. And that's also very nice Yeah, is that, you know, if I don't find somebody attractive, but they're willing to have sex with me, that's not, that's not going to be a happening thing. If I do, and it's rare, um, that would be nice, but I'm still going to have, I'm still
0: going to have sex. Yeah. Awesome. Sharon, thank you so much. This has been such a joy. This has been so much fun. Thank you. Yes. And I appreciate that you're willing to show up and represent the next generation up from me. (laughs) (laughs) We have a couple generations up from you. (laughs) That's it for today. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or if you're using another podcast app, go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash goodgirls. And remember, there's a treasure trove of audio extras available for free at Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash goodgirls talk about sex. While listening to those extras is free. Producing this show is not. If my work is meaningful to you and you have a few dollars to support it each month, I will gratefully accept your patronage at Patreon. I donate 10% of all Patreon proceeds to ARC Southeast, an organization that supports women in the Southeast United States to access reproductive services that are increasingly difficult to obtain. Find out more and become a community member at patreon.com forward slash good girls talk about sex show notes and transcripts for this episode are at goodgirlstalk.com. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at good girls talk for more sex positive content. If you have a question or comment about anything you've heard on the show, call and leave a message at 720 good sex. Good Girls Talk About Sex is produced by me, Leah Carey, and edited by Gretchen Kilby. I have additional administrative support from Lara O'Connor and Maria Franco. Transcripts are produced by Jan Osiello. Before we go, I want to remind you that the things you may have heard about your sexuality aren't true. You are worthy. You are desirable. You are are not broken. As your sex and intimacy coach, I will guide you in embracing the sexuality that is innately yours, no matter what it looks like. To set up your free discovery call, go to leahcary.com forward slash coaching. Until next time, here's to your better sex life.